I am excited about our series, The Gift Exchange. I hope you will be too. Maybe you need one message under your belt before you start realizing how important it would be to bring people with you, encourage people to come. We've got room to grow. The reason why we do two services, so there's plenty of room. You can invite people to come, especially in this first service. Last week, the second service was getting pretty full, and so it's necessary that we do two services, but we still have room to grow. And you want to invite people. At Christmas time, what a great time of the year to, uh, to, to tell people, hey, come and hear this series of specifically about Christmas. It's called the gift exchange. And it's about the exchanges that take place in our relationship with God. I mean, you understand there's nothing you can give to God, but he does give us some things that he gives us uh, not expecting anything great in return. I mean, this first sermon this morning is you give him your worry and he'll give you his peace. Now that's not a great exchange on his part, right? I mean, yeah, I'm going to give God worry and he's going to give me peace. That's not fair. Well, you're going to learn pretty quickly as a believer that the gift exchange is so wonderful because we can give God all of our burdens and hardships and he will bless us with his grace and mercy and peace. And so we encourage you to invite people to come, a non-threatening type of a a series uh, to talk about the great exchange between us and God. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And how many of you would say it's also the most stressful? Amen. Oh my goodness. It's always, always, always something. It was a whirlwind this weekend. We tried to get our Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. I want to get things going and get lit up. I, as soon as, as soon as we eat the last piece of pie at Thanksgiving, pie, prayer, and praise, light it up, baby. Let's go. But we had a lot of family coming in. We couldn't get away. So Julie and I just got out to get our Christmas tree. You know, I grew up in the city near, near Chicago. And when I came to Michigan, Julie informed me that real Michiganders have real trees, right? We destroy the environment by cutting down something that's living and kill it. Uh, but that's what we do. And so I, I learned that. And so did, did anybody else get a live Christmas tree this year? Anybody? Uh, you killed it? Yeah. Uh, did you hear about the crisis? I didn't hear about the, nobody told me about the crisis. There's a shortage of eight to nine foot Christmas trees. You can get a ton of trees that are six foot tall, and there's a lot of them that are 12 foot tall. Just so you, if you haven't done the shopping, let me help you. 12 foot tall Christmas trees cost $199 this year. Six foot Christmas trees do not work well for people who go over the top like me. I need an eight and a half to nine foot Christmas tree. We walked four fields trying to find that Christmas tree. And Julie would not let me buy the 12 foot and cut eight, you know, cut four foot off. She wouldn't let me do that. Too expensive. So at my house this year, we've got a six foot Christmas tree. It's killing me. It's killing me. I do notice we have more room in that room because it actually makes sense in that space because my normal Christmas tree is like this big around and the couches can't fit in there. Nothing can fit in there because the tree is humongous, right? So this year it actually kind of makes sense. I took all the lights that I normally put on my nine-foot Christmas tree, and I put it on my six-foot Christmas tree. It's like nothing but light. <laughs> it's just, boo, that's all it is right now. You can barely see any green. But that's the, the stresses of Christmas. They're a shortage. Who knew? I guess years ago, when the eight-footers would be about eight-footer now, I guess they had a shortage of uh, little seedlings, and they couldn't get them that year. So this year, we're stuck. You either go big or you go stupid. Uh, and I had to go stupid. And that's what, Christmas is just so busy. 
It's just so stressful. You might be asking yourself, how can I fit it all in? Anybody ever just participate this morning? Anybody raise your hand and say that? I ask that question all the time. How are we going to fit this all in this year? There's so many things, right? Parents, be honest. And then how about the overextended? How will I pay for it all? Anybody want to raise your hand and agree with me on this? How are we going to pay for this all? Uh, around the church, I'm the visionary guy, and I got great visions, and everybody's got to fix it. Well, in my house, my wife is that visionary. She tells me what we're doing at Christmas, and I sit there and go, how? How are we going to do that? How are we going to afford that? And then there's deepest hurts. The holiday seasons bring up some of the worst pains and loss. How am I going to get through it? And that's the reason why I wanted to bring this series this year the gift exchange. The verse that I'm using for this is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Is that a great gift or is that a great gift? Amen? What a great gift. So this season we've got a couple of opportunities for messages. Today is give God your worry. He'll give you His peace. Next Sunday is give God your hurts and he'll give you healing. And then the 18th, give God your grief and he will give you joy. And then on our Christmas Eve candlelight service, it's both two o'clock and four o'clock, the exact same service. Uh, we did book uh, Ava Swiskowski, Ava Swiss uh, from America's Got Talent. She's going to be here for both services and going to be singing several songs for us. So I encourage you to let people know that and come. Don't miss Christmas Eve. What a great service. We'll end by lighting the candles and singing Silent Night like we usually do. But it's a great service. Invite people to that. And then on December 25th, you go online and we'll send this message out. The gift, what gift can I actually give to God? And we want you to make sure that you have people watch that or tell people to watch that because it's a simple gospel message. What can I really give God? I mean, am I really supposed to just give him my worry, my hurts, my grief? Well, there is something you can give God. And I'll tell you about that on Christmas Day. So that's all what's happening this year in the gift exchange. This morning, the big idea is give God your worry and he will give you his peace. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 24. The notes might say it ends at 35, but there is no verse 35. I thought about writing one, but that's heresy, so I stopped. So it's 6, 24 through 34. You meet me there, let's pray. Would you pray this morning? You don't have to say this out loud, but if you just say it in your heart, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Can you just give God that prayer? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, I pray that you would be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God your worry, and he will give you his peace. We're going to define worry in just a moment after we read the context of what he tells us. I think most of us worry. (laughs) probably more than we should. I know I'm an uh, anxiety-type person. I'm always worried about things not working out or, or going well. I'm always worried um, that things are going to go bad. I don't know. you got pessimist and optimist, glass half full, glass half empty. How many of you are half full people? 
How many of you are the glass half empty kind of person? We struggle. We just struggle, right? I mean, it's worry, 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 constant worry that things are going to go bad. And Jesus addresses worry, the actual thing we're going to talk about, worry today. He addresses that in his most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're going to read in just a moment. And Jesus talks about that. But before we talk about it, I need to clarify it. Three clarifications this morning. Because I don't want you to come in and then and have you listen to a message, then you go home worrying that you worry too much, right? I don't want that. I don't want you going home saying, oh no, now I got another thing to worry about. I'm messing all this up. No, worry is not caution. Don't, don't confuse worry and caution. Caution can be a good thing when there's a dangerous situation. Uh, I, I think back of when my father-in-law lived in Saudi Arabia. He'd come home every once in a while and tell us how different it was there. And he said one of the things that drove him nuts is that he would be in a cab or the transportation to his work and, and motorcycles would drive by 100 and 120 miles an hour. Zoom, zoom, zoom. They would, they would go in between cars at stoplights and they would go 100 miles an hour through a red light. And he said, it's crazy. He finally talked to one of the cab drivers and he said, what's with that? Why do people just drive through red lights at 100 miles an hour? And the cab driver just said one word, inchala, inchala. Inchala means if God wills it. If God wills it, it'll happen. If I'm going to die today, I'm going to die whether I'm going 10 miles an hour through the green light or 120 through the red light. God wills it. (laughs) And you know what I want to say about that? That's just dumb. That's that's just stupid. I mean, there's a lot of faith in the world, and that's not smart. There's a lot of faith, and you say, well, if God's going to do it, God's going to do it, and nothing we can change about it. So inshallah, no, don't do that. It's okay to be cautious. How about we work on just going through the green lights, or at least the yellowish ones, okay? All right? Amber, okay, you know? You know what it, green means go, red means stop, yellow means go very fast. But, you know, we, 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 we should be cautious. Worry is not being cautious. Second clarification. There's a difference between worry and wisdom. It's okay to be wise. We're going to talk about don't worry about uh, tomorrow because t- tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Don't confuse that with planning for your future. I mean, it's okay to start saving some money so you know what you're going to do when you're 70. Now, that doesn't mean you're worrying. That means you're doing other parts of the Bible. When the Bible says if someone's going to build a barn, they ought to take stock of what, you know, you've got to make sure. And so prepare and plan. That's not worry. However, planning and preparing can head into worry if you go overboard. I don't know how many of you got those, uh, what are those, uh, those, you know, those underground barrier units with like 25,000 buckets of meals in them. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. But there are people that go too far on the prepping and the preparing, right? There's prepper shows on TV about people digging these big pits and trying to make sure you're safe. And I mean, I got a barrel in my house. I got a barrel with some meals in it. I, you know, I'm, you got to prepare, but don't go overboard, right? So caution is not worry. Wisdom is not worrying, that's planning. Being cautious in your decision-making is wise, amen? You can write that down, it's not on the screen, but it's for free. Being cautious in your decision-making is wise. And clarification number three, we're not talking about anxiety and clinical depression this morning. 
If you've gone through a trauma, and our town understands trauma, if you've gone through a trauma today, when I talk about worrying, I'm not talking about what you've gone through because that does cause anxiety. And so I want to be very cautious today as I talk about what Jesus says about worry that you don't get that wrong. If you're clinically depressed and you need to talk with somebody and you need medication, then do that. Thank God for that. We have those options. Sometimes that is necessary. Oakwood encourages people to go to Christian counseling. I'll say it again. If you or your family or anybody in your family thinks you might need professional help, come talk to us. We'll make a referral. Oakwood even pays for the first two sessions for people to go and start meeting with a counselor. We believe in it. That's not worry. That's not worry. That's actually wisdom. There's something going on. We need to talk to somebody. I encourage you to to see a Christian counselor, though, and, and try to come to us and we'll point you in the right direction. Jesus spoke about the kind of worry that we can avoid. See, the trauma that happened last November was brought on us. It wasn't something we brought on ourselves. And it's something that was done to us, and we couldn't avoid it. What Jesus is talking about is the worry that we bring on ourselves when we don't need to. It's, it's useless worry. It's just worry for no reason. And that's why we're going to talk about that this morning. So here is the definition, finally. Defining worry that I'm talking about today. It's worry is allowing your mind to dwell on potentially negative outcomes beyond our actual control. Worrying about potentially negative outcomes. What makes you worry, according to this definition? Is it finances? Is it children? Our kids? Is it health concerns? Politics? We'll stop there, but so many people worry about something they have really very little control. You should vote. You should vote and that's fine, but do you worry? For me, I'm just going to admit it. Can we do this? Can we be honest today? Hello, my name is Don. I'm a travel worrier. Traveling makes me nervous. I don't mean getting in the car and going down to Beaky's for a chicken. I'm talking about if you got to catch a flight and you got to fly somewhere. Mark, you know this all too well, right? Mark, you're probably not a nervous flyer because you fly all the time. But I, when I fly, man, I'm the guy. I want to be there two hours ahead of my flight. Anybody like that with me this morning? I'm going to make you participate whether you want to or not. Anybody you like this, you're like, I, I, if I get to the airport a half hour before the flight, that's fine. Anybody feel that way? Oh my goodness, people, you drive me nuts. You know what? Things go wrong. Listen, you, I mean, you, you could get a flat tire on the way. You could, you could run into traffic. There could be an accident and the whole road stopped. And, and you can get to the airport and there's more people than you ever imagined. They only had one person working in TSA. And, you, and it could be some kind of a threat that happened in the airport. Or it could be weather happening. I mean, you hear me going down the path, don't you? Hi, my name is Don, and I'm a travel worrier. I will worry for a week before my trip. Something's going to go wrong. And things do go wrong. Uh, I'm so thankful for my wife last night. She let me pick the movie we watched. Or Friday night. It was Friday night and she let us pick the movie. I got to pick finally. And I love the holidays. There's a lot of movies to get in the holidays. I asked her if she wanted to watch Elf. I asked her if she wanted to watch Polar Express. She's like, no, no, no. I'm finally like, you know what I want to watch? Planes, trains, and automobiles. (laughs) Steve Martin is, he's one of my favorites. Steve Martin and John Candy is a wonderful pairing there. I'm not uh, endorsing the whole movie or anything about that. I'm just saying, love the movie. 
I love it because I have lived Steve Martin's role. I have traveled and had terrible nightmares. I got to an airport in Berlin late. Traffic was bad. The person who took me was one of those people that don't mind getting there a half hour before. Shame on you. I, I, I want to be there two hours, but he wouldn't leave. And I'm like, what if? And sure enough, traffic was bad. He gets me to the airport and I've got like 15 minutes and I'm OJ Simpson before the murders running through the airport with all my luggage, trying to make it. And, and I get there and they're like, no, no, that door's shut. I'm like, no, I just, just let me on the plane. I won't even take my luggage. I'll just leave all my luggage in, in Germany. Let me get on the plane. Nope. Nope. I was supposed to speak at my daughter's graduation from high school the next day. I had to get home. I'm freaking out. Worst nightmare. Go to the airline and I'm like, what do I do? And they said, well, you can buy a ticket. We have another plane leaving in an hour. You can buy another ticket. It's $1,500. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'll do, but not with you. So I went to the next airline and I put down my 1300 bucks. Again, didn't have that money. Have you ever done that? Anybody gone and said, you know what? There is not $1,300 in my bank right now, but I'm going to pray that they let it go through and I'll pay the $30 fine. Anybody? I mean, life's hard. Sitting there praying, living on a, there's no way I was getting home. I'm stuck in Berlin. I put the card down. Oh, Lord, I'm going to bless that card. You know? <laughs> she runs it and she goes, okay, sign here. I'm like, oh, thank you. Whew. And get home. Had nightmares. Hello, my name is Don. I'm a travel worrier. One thing that you should probably ask me is how many times have you gotten to the airport two hours early early and sat there for an hour and 45 minutes? All the time. I would rather sit and sip Starbucks than sweating it and crying that I missed my plane. But I'm always there early. I know airports very well like you, Mark, been all over the world, been in lots of airports for hours because, hello, my name is Don, and I'm a travel worrier. Have you been there? We worry about stuff that we cannot control. That's why Jesus gives us this passage. And listen carefully. We pick it up in the middle of his sermon. He says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now I read you that verse because his message that he's going to give you won't make sense until you get that context because our passage really starts here. The next word is therefore. I love our staff around here. They actually challenged me when they found out I had verse 35 and there was no verse 35. They started looking at the whole context. They're like, you don't need verse 24. It starts in verse 25. I'm like, it doesn't start in verse 25. You can't start with a therefore. How do you start preaching with therefore? What? Therefore what? What am I talking about? The verse before this says you cannot serve both God and money. The context Jesus is talking about is financial concern. Worry about Having enough. By the way, if anybody can define that word enough, there's never enough. So Jesus is actually coming off this word. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? The body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I think we should be forced to answer rhetorical questions while we're reading Scripture. While you're reading that passage, do you stop there and say, well, no. How many of you know that you can't add moments to your life by worrying about it? Amen? Raise your hand. Come on, admit it. Honestly, the rhetorical question is powerful because the opposite is true. How many of you have lost a few days or hours or weeks because you worry all the time? Amen. Woo. I'm 54, but I'm probably 68 because, hello, my name is Don. (laughs) You get the point. We worry. Let's keep going. Verse 28. And why? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass or the lilies of the field, which is here today and thrown into fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What a great teaching. And it's from our Lord and Savior. And it's about the simple things that we worry about that we don't need to worry about. If you want to make your Christmas season a little easier this year, let some of it just go. Relax. Go watch plane, trains, and automobiles and drink some eggnog. Don't overstress on the simple things. And I love the analogies that Jesus uses here. First, there's three things that we can see right out of this. What does Jesus say about worry? Three clear things here. Number one, worry is unnatural. Nature doesn't worry. Worry is unnatural. Are you with me this morning? I feel like you didn't get enough sleep last night, didn't drink enough coffee. I'm working hard up here this morning. You gotta help me now because I went and bought a new Harley. You like my new Harley shirt? Didn't realize till I got it home that it was fleece lined. That doesn't work for a hot person like me. So I'm sweating up here. Work with me. Worry is unnatural. Everybody say unnatural. Then he tells us nature doesn't worry, birds don't worry. Animals don't worry. Yeah, they prepare squirrels, right? Squirrels store nuts for winter. It's okay to plan and prepare for your future. That's okay, but don't worry. Don't be stressed out. Don't have so much anxiety. Don't don't lose sleep at night. Worry is unnatural, number one. Second thing I see is worry is unhelpful. (laughs) Let Let me tell you about my travel worries. Me worrying about it never fixed it. Me worrying about it, never. Nobody in the TSA thought, you know, hey guys, listen. Three weeks from now, Don Jackson's traveling. We better stock our staff full. Me worrying about it doesn't fix anything. Waking up in the middle of the night. Have you ever done this? I do this all the time. Just this past week, I woke up at two in the morning, absolutely freaked out, having an anxiety attack, sweat, heart palpitating because I didn't do my paper. I haven't been in school for like 25 years. I didn't have a paper due. I couldn't even convince myself of that until the next morning when I was drinking coffee. Like, what was that all about? Oh yeah, I had a paper due. I don't have a paper due. I'm I'm serious. We worry so much that we make up stuff to worry about. And at nighttime, I was freaking out. Not helpful. 
Third thing, and you're not going to like this, worry is unchristian. These are one of the moments when I spent about 15 minutes at my desk thinking, should I put that there or not? I have to because Jesus said, when you do this, you act like the pagan people, the unbelievers, the people without God. They're the ones that run around worrying about their food and their clothes and all the stuff about tomorrow. Don't do it. Again, don't go home worrying about it. <laughs> but I want you to know that Jesus really made these three points. It's unnatural. Nature doesn't worry. Worry is unhelpful. Doesn't fix anything. And it's unchristian. It reflects a lack of faith. So how do we fix it? Right? I mean, I don't want to leave you this morning, so we've got to fix it, right? How, how to give God your worry and experience His peace? Well, it's in the latter part of this passage when it says, but... I like that word in verse 33, but, so we got a big problem, but here's the solution, right? A lot of times in scripture, that word, but has the word God next to it, but God, right? We were dead in our sins, heading to hell. There's no salvation, but God who is rich in mercy here. It's but seek first his kingdom. Number one point, how to live without worry, how to give your worry to God so that you can experience his peace. Let Jesus be king. Everybody raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I'm not king. Some of y'all didn't say it because you didn't believe it, but mm, you're not king and I'm not king. And if I'm a kingdom person, I live in his kingdom. God's got kingdom purposes. You know what? That makes it God's problem. I like picking up problems. I don't know why. Don't pick up problems that aren't yours. And worry about things that are simple that you don't need to worry about. That's that's you saying, I'm king. It's my kingdom. I've got to take care of every detail. And you know what? Number one, let Jesus be king. Number two, live a day at a time. Jesus is saying here, the birds, you know, they, they do what they need to do for today, but then they're, they're, they're confident that tomorrow will be okay. So we need to live a day at a time. When it comes to worrying about the simple things of life, like food and clothing and, and wasting all of our time concerned about those little things, we need to live a day at a time, one day at a time. Jesus gives us this principle, but don't forget, that's what God did in the Old Testament for his people Israel. Remember, I told you last week, they were in the wilderness, they didn't have food, give us food. He gave them manna from heaven. And he told them, collect enough to eat for today. Not next week, not tomorrow. Don't collect ahead of time. And what did they do? They did anyway. People are like, you know what? I'm a little worried about it. What if there's no manna tomorrow? So they collected more than they needed. And what happened? It just rotted. When the day ended, it just rotted. And God said, don't do, don't worry. Don't worry. He's the God of provision. Let's go back to point number one. He's the king. Let him be king. Number two, live a day at a time. Sometimes our worry robs us of the day we're in. Right? We stop living today because we're all focused on the worries of tomorrow. Live a day at a time in God's kingdom. Matter of fact, you know, we're going to talk about it. All these things are going to be added unto you. Don't worry about it. Maybe you could be doing other things instead of worrying. Maybe if we didn't spend all our time worrying, we could do kingdom things. It's unkingdom-like to worry. So take that off your plate and let's start doing kingdom things. Lean on the faithfulness of God. 
Verse 34 tells us, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love how Jesus didn't say, there's nothing to worry about. No, there are things to worry about. I mean, sometimes things happen and they don't go well. Julie and I had this conversation um, because she, she was there the day of the, the school shooting. Uh, my wife works at the school. I'm trying to find my notes for that. It's really interesting. There it is. No. I really want to find our work because we were talking about this. I can't find it. We were talking about this very thing. There it is. This page. I remember Julie telling me, even the day of the shooting when she got, when we finally got her home, she said, you know, it was really blank. I'll have to put blank there because this is what we were arguing about. What was the word she said? It was really blank. I felt calm. And I, I asked her last night, I said, honey, is it okay if I say strange? She goes, no, I, I didn't say it was strange. I'm like, oh, okay, well, how about if I use the word odd? That makes sense, right? Because you shouldn't be odd in that situation. She goes, no, I didn't say odd. I'm like, what do you want? Are you unique? I'm, I'm a words person. I got a thesaurus going in my head, right? And, and I'm like, is it strange? Is it odd? Is it unique? She goes, no, 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 none of those. I'm like, Julie, what is it? She goes, I don't. And then we both realized it. Words can't explain it. That's why there isn't a word to explain the peace of God. The calmness. She said, I was concerned that the shooter might break in that room and and I might die that way. That bothered me, but I was calm. How do you explain that? Other than knowing the king and being a kingdom person and experiencing that. Can I just ask this question today by raising your hand? How many of you to say that you've experienced that peace which passes all understanding? Anybody? Amen. Look at the testimonies this morning. And the Bible tells us, Don and Julie, blank. There's no word for it. It's a peace that passes all understanding. So how can I explain it to you? I can't. Is it strange? Yeah. Is it odd? Yeah. Is it unique? Yeah. All those things, but not those things. It's utterworldly. God's peace and God's calm for his people. See, we've got to lean into that. We've got to lean. Some of us don't like to lean and we, we, we'd like to pick up our worries and our anxieties because that's ours and we, we, we'll carry it through. But no, 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 God says, no, no, put that on me. Where does he say that? Well, let's look at Philippians. Philippians 4, verse 6 and verse 7. If we have it on the screen, I'll read it. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Everybody say anything. But in every situation, everybody say every. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Philippians 4, 6 teaches us to tell God about it. Tell God about it. When you wake up at 2 in the morning and you're worried about not having the paper done, tell God about it. He might say, hello, wake up, you don't have a paper due. <laughs> you know, tell God about it. I don't, even if it's silly, it doesn't make sense. Tell God about it. It says in every situation, don't worry about anything, but in everything, Tell God about it. And then it says, thank God for what he has done. Gratitude refocuses our mind on the goodness of God rather than our problems. 
Let me encourage you. If you're starting to worry about little things, about you know three weeks from now, how are we going to afford the? How are we going to do that? How are we going to do all the part? How are we going to have all the? You know, and just stop. And start thanking God for who He is and who He's been. It will remind you of His goodness. It should remind you that you're going to get through it. Thank God. Gratitude refocuses God, your mind. Verse 7 of Philippians 4 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can dwell on your problems, or you can dwell on God's promises. That's what we need to know as believers. Give Him your worry. He'll give you his peace. What's the conclusion? When you let Jesus be king, live a day at a time, and lean on God's faithfulness, he will guard your heart and mind with his peace. A lot easier said than done, amen? Anybody ever want to agree with me that sometimes pastor says stuff and you're like, oh man, still seems really difficult. I know, but there's hope. There is hope because there is a plan. From the mouth of Jesus himself, he says, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Some people take that verse and misuse it too. Like everything's mine. I can have everything. No, no. Actually what he promised you is food and clothing and drink. Yeah. That's what he gave the people wandering through the wilderness, water to drink, manna to eat, quail to eat. You know, he took care of their basic needs. Here's the question though. Can you be satisfied with that? Part of our problem is self-inflicted that we're not satisfied. So some of our worry is self-brought on by the excesses and the extremes. Sometimes we need to just take a, take a little bit of a, a step back and practice the verse that says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then the promises start coming and all these things will be added unto you. I want the uh, team to come join me on the stage to close while I remind you of next week. Next week is give God your hurts and he'll give you healing. There are things that hurt us in life, but you know what? God is the great healer and he will restore us. He promises to restore us. So I want you to know that. The gift exchange, I love the series. I love the the thought that you can give God the worst and he's going to give you the best. That's our great God. I encourage you to come back and invite people with you.